You and Me and BPD, Season 3, Episode 11. Disability in the workspace. Just a heads up, I recorded um, most of this previously, but I just wanted to edit my introduction because... I So initially, I gave you a definition of disability in the Canadian context, and that's because I can only speak from a Canadian context. I am born and raised here, um, so I am going to be providing that. And then I did say something about physical disabilities versus mental health disabilities, but I really don't like the way I said that, so I'm going to say it again here. So under the kind of... Ontario, where I'm from, definition of what is a person living with disability, um, which is kind of going to be the main focus of this podcast episode, they define it as someone with a substantial physical or mental impairment that is continuous or recurrent and expected to last one year or more. This definition is... um, also paired with the requirement for a professional to diagnose you. So that might be a psychiatrist, a doctor, or a psychologist, as well as this impairment representing a limitation in your daily life. So it could be your ability to take care of yourself, your ability to be a member of your society, and also your ability to work. And that could be your physical disability, your mental disability. Um, one of the one of the things is a lot of the time when when people talk about disability in the workplace, there seems to be this kind of focus on creating accessible spaces for people with physical disabilities, and that's not what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be focusing on the mental health aspect of disability. So one of the things is um, there are a lot of barriers to accommodations for people with physical disabilities, whether that might be somebody who is missing a limb or somebody who is in a wheelchair. And so when you talk about disability in the workplace, looking at physical disabilities, it can be very hard to kind of cover all the accommodations that someone might need. But when we look at mental health disabilities, um, these can create a lot of gray area because it's very much dependent on the individual person about whether or not they see themselves as disabled even. And this is where I'm going to tie it in with the thing that I talked about um, in the rest of the podcast. Um, I started to learn about my own disability and accept my own disability when I learned about the social system of disability, when I started looking at the way that my BPD and my autism really impacts my ability to create relationships with people, to feel uh, supported in the workplace, and um, my understanding of disability comes from taking courses in disability and trying to recognize and look through my own ableism to see that I actually do struggle a lot 
and I struggle in my day-to-day -day life and I have struggled for quite a while. So I consider BPD to be a disability and under the actual definition, um, according to the law of where I am, that is also true. BPD is considered a disability and I'll kind of leave it at that and stitch this with the rest of the episode. like the social system of disabilities, I started realizing that my BPD and autism are very much dis disabilities for me. They affect the way that I communicate. They affect the way that I am able to make relationships with people and understand what is expected of me in situations. It affects the way that I see myself and specifically when it comes to, you know, this kind of overarching existential drama that's going on inside my head almost 24 hours of the day. And what what I see is this kind of limitation when it comes to finding meaningful work. And when we talk about meaningful work, it's important to notice the word is meaningful. That's the key term that we're talking about. There are a lot of people who say, oh, just find a part-time job, you know, just go out. There's so many people who are hiring for part-time jobs. But when you think about it, a part-time job might require you to be available at all times of the day. And that's not really plausible for some people. Maybe they have to go to therapy or maybe they have to take medication at a certain time or maybe they just have a really strange sleeping schedule because they stay up all night or that's when they feel more comfortable and so they mainly want to work during the day or maybe they do want to work at night. There's so many different kind of ways that people find work meaningful. A lot of the time... Um, people with disabilities, especially people with mental health disabilities, they need to find a job that is able to give them stimulation, but also able to give them a space where they can feel more comfortable showing up day in and day out because it is exhausting, right? Like there's a physical part of mental illness that makes you more prone to having lethargic days or more especially with borderline personality disorder, I don't know what my day is going to look like and what my energy is going to look like when I wake up in the morning. I can wake up and if I've slept right and I'm feeling good that day, then I have all the energy to be able to do everything I need to. But on the days when I don't have that energy, then it becomes a chore and it becomes very hard for me to do basic things like eat, or take care of myself or clean or whatever else it might be that I need to do. So when we talk about meaningful work for people with disabilities, everybody wants to find work that, you know, gives them space to feel comfortable and also gives them space to feel like they have a good work-life balance. And so one of the key things is some barriers that people can with mental illnesses can find is that there's either a stigma over over their diagnosis or there might be a complete lack of understanding when it comes to what accommodations they need or inadequate support in the workplace so for me um i 
have found that I have a lot of interpersonal problems. I have a lot of problems understanding when people are talking to me and what it is that they want or if they ask me to do something and I don't have clear instructions, I find it very hard to follow that. And if I was to find a job where somebody just expected me to understand what they were saying, I would struggle a whole lot. And that would probably make me not want to do the job even more. Um, if I had a trouble, if I had trouble with my coworkers and I couldn't properly understand what they wanted from me, then that might create even more problems to me being able to go to that workplace and to feel like I am being accepted for who I am especially if you would need accommodation. So another thing is I experience a lot of physical pain and I can't always be typing and sitting for a long amount of time or standing for a long amount of time. So I kind of need, I would need a job that would be able to give me those accommodations. And really when we look at the statistics in Canada at least of people who are living with serious mental illnesses and really it, it all depends on what you consider a serious mental illness but this is according to CAMH um, and their statistics that they've looked at in coordination with the Mental Health Commission of Canada they found that 70 to 90 percent of people living with serious mental illnesses in Canada are currently employed. For those who live with depression and anxiety it can be over 30% of people who are not able to find meaningful work that allows them to you know, feel like they can fully be themselves when they are working. And it's a really big problem when you think about the amount of people who are especially younger, who might've gotten diagnosed maybe right when they were out of high school or in their early 20s. This is a time when people are supposed to be according to society, going to university or going to college or beginning a career. And if you are dealing with a lot of mental health issues during this time, it might make it hard for you to even go to do these things. I know when I first went to university, I dropped out after a month because I couldn't handle being away from my parents or being away from my mom. I did want to move away and I thought I was going to be fine, but I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle being in a new place with new people and feeling overwhelmed and getting myself to class on time and doing all the homework that I was expected to do. It was a large shift for me. And so I dropped out. And when I came back, I said, okay, I'll find a job. And so my work history has been a lot in the food services industry. So I worked at McDonald's, I worked at Wendy's, and then I worked at Starbucks, and that was my kind of main job that I did. And one of the things I found is that these are really fast-paced environments. And there were some times um, where I would just feel so overwhelmed, and eventually what ended up happening was I started having panic attacks at work. This was a combination of just the increased stress that I was under because I became a shift supervisor because I worked myself to the bone and I would constantly be trying to meet everybody's expectations of me. So I pushed myself as hard as I could to be the best that I could be. And in the long run, I was about, I was a shift supervisor for about a year and a half before I started having my panic attacks. 
And when they started, they just didn't stop. It was like almost every single time I had a shift, at some point throughout that eight-hour shift, I would have a panic attack. And then after I would be sobbing and on the floor and crying, I'd have to go back to work. There was no lull. There was no type of taking care of myself and making sure that I was okay. It was just like, this happened. I am now shaken and I have to get back up and go back and deal with my team. And that was really hard for me. So hard that eventually I ended up causing a lot of interpersonal problems because I didn't know how to process everything that was happening. So while these might be the jobs that are most available, food service or working in retail or, you know, working in a high paced environment, these are some of the most kind of not accommodating, but most mostly they're the jobs that I see that are constantly looking for workers that can also impact our mental health and it can make it so that you don't quite know what what's wrong with you (laughs) like you look at the people around you and you go all of us here are dealing with this all of us here are doing the same work and I'm the only one who's feeling overwhelmed or I'm the only one who's really struggling with my mental health and then when you go into a more corporate environment which I have never had the experience of but I have talked to people who do have that experience they say that it's just as hard with the expectations that are placed on you I see it with my husband all the time of having to you know be in meetings and constantly be talking to people and constantly be engaged with the work that you're doing and that can be really hard when you're battling your own head and you're not taking care of yourself I know some people who when they were working they wouldn't take lunch breaks or they wouldn't take any breaks they just work as hard as they could to try to keep up with the people around them and it really creates this environment where you don't really know why you're not able to do it but you just know that it's not working and so you just stop maybe you eventually quit like i did or maybe you start having panic attacks or maybe you end up getting fired And then you have to walk around with this kind of sense of, I did something wrong. I am the problem. I am the one who messed things up. And that can really deal a lot of damage to your self-worth. And especially if you have BPD or some other type of personality disorder, where you're already constantly on the fence about, am I worthless? Am I not as good as other people, what's wrong with me, if you get fired from your job or if you get let go, it can be a real blow to your self-esteem. And then to try to think about, well, now I need to find a new job, can just bring a whole bunch of more problems when it comes to finding meaningful work. I asked people on my Instagram earlier, what was some of the things that they struggle with? And one of the comments that I got was that this person struggles to find um, a job that is accommodating to their, obviously their physical needs, but also their mental needs. And also just doesn't leave them overwhelmed, even part-time work. And that's something that I constantly hear about is like, find a part-time job. 
but it's like part-time work can still take up a lot of your time and it's not obviously I'm not going to compare it to working 40 hours a week because every job has stress that is true but when you're also living with a mental illness you have the added stress of just battling your own head whether that might be because of your trauma or because of abuse that you went through or neglect you can just feel like you don't quite know what what it is that is going on with you but you know that you can't do what everybody else is doing and that's become kind of my main issue i so i stopped working at starbucks in 2017 and after that i went into retail really quickly for like maybe six or seven months and then I couldn't do it anymore because I was feeling very overwhelmed doing that and then I didn't work for a year and I finished my university and then I was a nanny and now I haven't worked since about the pandemic um so I would say mid 2020 and recently I was applying to a few jobs and I was thinking okay I should find a job I should work because that's what I've been trained to do right since I was a kid I've been told you need to grow up and you are gonna find a job and you're gonna make your way in the world and it really isn't as easy for me and I have people in my life who apply to jobs and they get them and you know it's tough at first but they stick it out and I'm like I I don't even know how I would be able to do an interview. I feel like one of the main issues that I've been seeing is that a lot of uh, a lot of applications ask you, do you have a disability? And there's constantly that question of, do you tell them or do you not? And I think a lot of people who live with these kind of invisible disabilities or mental health disabilities, they don't know what is the proper thing to do. Do you tell somebody, yes, I have a disability. Yes, I need accommodations. No, I cannot work 40 hours a week or else I will literally go mad. Or do you not say anything? And do you just hope that something is going to show up? And really, when you think about it, there are some people who do want to work and who who feel very much like they are able to do their jobs. And that's that's amazing. But I fundamentally, I don't want to work. And one of the hardest things I find is trying to think of, well, what would I want to do? And the question is always nothing nothing. There is not a single thing that I would want to work in. There's not a single field or a single job I can think of that I would consider to be meaningful for me. Because really, what is meaningful for me is being able to have the freedom to do what I want with my day, to be able to wake up and deal with my mental health And if that means that I am sitting in my backyard watching the birds, then I'm going to do that. If that means that I'm going to sleep some more and I'm not going to talk to anybody, then I want to do that. That would be so much more meaningful to me than having to work a job. But on the flip side, 
when it comes to trying to apply for social assistance programs, because of what my husband makes, we do not qualify. I do not qualify for a lot of social assistance things. So then it's like, well, the decision then becomes to live on a single person income. And there are a lot of people with disabilities that have to make that decision. Either they can't move out of their house because they don't make enough money or they don't receive enough money from social assistance programs like um, Ontario Disability Support Program or Ontario Works and so they have to stay at home or they can't get married because they know the moment that they get married they're going to lose their social assistance they're going to lose their disability money and so it creates this kind of place where people who don't work who have a mental illness are not getting any support because therapy is expensive right? Like going to therapy, being in therapy, working on yourself is all expensive. So if you don't have the means to go to therapy and you cannot work, then you're left to just kind of deal with your mental illness on your own. And it's a very hard balance to try to find work that is accommodating, that will pay like allow you to be paid fairly and to receive health insurance that will allow you to go to your therapy and get your medications if that's the route that you decide to take or to be in group therapy or whatever it might be but even then it comes with questions of well is your work going to allow you to take the afternoon off to go to therapy And if it does, are you going to be expected to go right back to work? Because going to therapy can be very overwhelming for people. So it just creates this kind of like catch-22 where it feels like you can't win. And when you look at the statistics, there's, as I mentioned, 70 to 90% of people living with serious mental illnesses like BPD or autism or schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, or chronic depression disorder, who are unemployed, who aren't working. And work doesn't need to be the very end-all be-all of what we do, but also when you don't qualify for programs because maybe you're too old. I mean, there's, in the place that I'm living now, there are a few programs out there but they're specifically for people with Down syndrome or they're specifically for people who have intellectual disorders. And I don't even qualify for that because I'm too old. (laughs) I just turned 30 and a lot of the time the cutoff date is 25 or I don't qualify for job training because I am too old or I have too much experience with university and college. And so it just kind of creates this environment where you're looking around at every single other person and saying so many of the people in my life can work and yet here I am not able to find a job not able to feel like I am being a part of the society and it's isolating and I've received messages from people who say like I was just fired from my like sixth or seventh job and even experiencing that can be very just 
dehumanizing and feeling like, why can't I do it? So what do we do? <laughs> what, what is it that we are supposed to do if we're not working? One of the things that I've been doing is obviously um, I read, I do a lot of meditation, I do yoga, I spend a lot of time in my backyard, <laughs> um, I play video games, I try to fill my day with things that make me happy because I recognize that I'm very privileged to be able to live off of my husband's income and the money that he makes pays for basically everything that we need and we don't have a lot of money <laughs> but we aren't you know starving and we aren't struggling as much as other people are and so it's a very hard balance because I feel like I have no right to be upset or to feel overwhelmed because I'm in a very good position but at the same time it also feels like I don't have anything to offer and so I made this podcast right like I reach out to people and I am a part of a Buddhist group and I am a part of a book club and I try as much as possible to use my time when I have the energy to to try to communicate with people because I spend so much time on my own and it's very isolating not working but at the same time I don't think I could work I don't think that the way that my brain works and the way that my body functions that I would be able to find meaningful work so looking into job training and stuff like sure I can go get trained in something but is it really gonna make me happy I really don't think so and I'm not trying to to start this conversation because I want anybody to feel sorry for me and I I struggle a little bit with with talking about things like this because I don't want people to think that I'm complaining but at the same time these are conversations that need to happen there needs to be more understanding that community support is not just for those who you know are really I don't know struggling I guess there needs to be more understanding of the importance of community just for the everyday person because there's a lot of us. There's a lot of us who wake up and feel lost because we don't really have any any place to go. We don't really have any expectations on us. And while that is a very fortunate thing to have, it's also, it makes you feel like you're a little bit lost. So if you're in the same boat as me, I hope you know that you don't need a job. I mean, obviously you need to pay your bills and you need to have food. And if you can get on disability, if you can get that government assistance, there's no shame in it. There's no shame in recognizing that work just isn't accommodating for you. And it's not meaningful for you. And maybe that means that you do need to you know, go through the stages of getting a diagnosis from a psychiatrist in order for you to qualify for whatever social assistance program is out there. For a long time, people were embarrassed to admit that they can't work. But I think when we look at it, 
there's a lot more people not working than we realize for many different reasons. And it's not a shame, like shameful thing. It's not something that really is anybody's business. You don't have to tell anybody if you're not working or why you're not working. But I think we need to start creating spaces and community for those who are not capable of working so that we still have things to do with our day. We still have people that we can see, whether that would be, you know, once a week going to a library and sitting down and talking about a book or knitting with other people or going for a walk in the park with others. There are many different things out there and, or at least I hope there would be, not in my small town at least, but I would hope that there would be more people who would understand that not working is a reality for a lot of us. And um, I know for myself, I've only not worked for the past two years or so. Um, so I can't speak on what, what it's like to be chronically out of work or to not work for, you know, five, 10, 15 years. But I hope, I hope just through this conversation that you're able to realize that if, if you can't work, you're not alone in any of the things that you struggle with. And if you find that it's, it's just hard for you to find a job, maybe right now isn't the time to be looking for one. Maybe right now you need to take care of yourself. And if that is what you are doing, if you are not working because you, are, you need to take care of your mental health, then I am sending you so much love because it is hard and it is not easy. And you're not useless even if the thoughts in your head tell you you are, because that's how I feel a lot of the time. And we're not useless. We have so much to offer the world. And if we can find ways to con connect with others and to find community, then maybe, maybe we can start to explore what, what other types of meaningful work there is outside of you know, a nine to five working for a corporation or working in fast food or whatever else people might try to tell you because that's constantly what I'm being suggested and it's overwhelming because I know that just does not work for me. Anyways, this was kind of an all over the place, but I just felt like I, I had to talk about it because it's something that's, that's really pertinent to my life. Um, so if this resonated with you, if you want to keep on having a conversation, you can reach out to me on Instagram as always. Um, and I will see you in the next episode. Bye.